So we're right. in week number seven of the series we've been doing entitled Dwell, discovering that God is a loving and relational God from the beginning to the very end. And so next week we're going to end this series in week number eight entitled Dwelling Returns. And Craig McHenry is going to give that message next Sunday morning, so you don't want to miss that. It's going to be a, an awesome message next Sunday morning. Today we're going to be talking about the theology of work. Everyone say theology of work. I can tell by looking at you, you thought, mm, I don't know if I ever thought about that as a theology. Theology of work, what's that all about? Well, that's what we're going to find out today, you know, when God in his goodness and in his greatness when he created us, when he, in the work of creation and putting man in, in the Garden of Eden and told us to do what? To guard it, to tend it, to keep it, to cultivate it, to take care of it. Notice he gave us a job assignment and we need to continue to uh, make sure that we're doing that work even though that assignment has been distorted by sin. We, we have been redeemed from sin. We've discovered that the power of sin was broken, that the power the, that the enemy has been defeated, and that we have been restored. Last week, we discovered that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So in, uh, for the sake of recapping, I want to read several verses from Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and then also just a couple from 3, just two or three verses from each chapter. So let's begin with Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 26 through 28. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I don't think there's anything left out there. Uh, so uh, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth that moves on the earth. Then in, get into Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Thus the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. And we had studied that a few weeks ago. That does not mean it's a cessation of life. That means a separation from God. Because they, they did eat, but they continued to live for many more years. So the death there is talking about a spiritual separation from God. And so we have the Genesis mandate given to us. And that is that uh, we have the image, of, the image of God. God gave us a delegated calling and authority. He commissioned us to do work, to be stewards and creators. He works and we work. We work together. It's an interdependent relationship. I told you the story about the farmer some weeks ago, about the farmer that uh, bought an old dilapidated farm that the, you know, was all overgrown with weeds and shrubs and the buildings were all dilapidated. He bought it and, and, and cleaned it all up, manicured it very nicely, got the fields back in, cultivated the fields back into a, a productive state of being and painted the barn and fixed up the house. And the country preacher came along and said, my, 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 he said, you and God sure did a great job with that farm. And the farmer said, thank you. He said, but you should have seen it when God had it all by himself. 
And so it's an interdependent relationship. We can't just say, well, God's in control. God will do what he wants to do, and I'm just here and, you know, whatever. No, God's expecting us to do something. He's expecting us to be fruitful, to be cultivating, to be stewards, to be creators. He's working, and we're working. Work is intended to be a part of God's blessings, not a curse. And all the people said, I know it's Monday morning, tomorrow morning, but work, work is not a curse. It's intended to be a blessing. Our calling, our calling as God's children is to be fruitful, to expand, to fill the earth, to go new places. We are to subdue, to take charge, to rule, to guide, to take dominion, and to be excellent stewards. We are to image or we are to reflect God in all of creation, creating culture in our stewarding, ruling according to his truth from the Garden of Eden to everywhere, to everywhere. We are to be doing his work. And so I want to encourage you to, to uh, purpose to have a positive attitude towards the gifts and the talents and the vocation, the calling that God has placed upon your life and to embrace it as an opportunity to reflect the goodness and the creativity, the kindness and, 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 and just the beauty and the wisdom of Almighty God. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, God spoke to Adam and said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to the dust you shall return. And so that's, a, that's the penalty for sin. When sin entered into, this was the curse that, that affected work. So sin affected. This sin of Adam and Eve affected how we experience and are able to carry out our calling and to be workers in this world. The blessing will often be experienced as a burden. What God intended to be a blessing in your life, your gifts, your skill sets, your creativity, your contribution to humanity is, 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 is intended to be a blessing. But if we're not careful, we'll allow it to be a burden rather than a blessing. What you have to contribute is not a burden. It is a blessing. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, I am a blessing going somewhere to happen. Amen. You are a blessing. So consider yourself to be blessed and participate in the good things that God has called you into and to know that he is working together with you, working together with you. In the, there's a parable in Matthew chapter 25 begins at verse 14. It's the parable of the three servants. If you could pull that up, especially verse 14, Matthew 25 and verse 14. And this particular parable, I'll just read it. I'll read the introductory verse to it here. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. 
He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Notice says the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by this. So the man gave his money to his servants and he went away on a long trip. We are here as the servants of God here on the earth. Jesus is going to return. While he is away, we are to be stewarding. And in our stewardship, if you read the rest of that parable, and I encourage you to read it through the end of the chapter, I think it's through verse 30. If you read that, he gave the one five talents, the other one two. Uh, he gave one ten talents, one five, and another gentleman, I think it was two, something like that. And while he was gone for a long time, when he came back, they gave an account. Well, the one that had the, it was five, two, and one, whatever. <laughs> Shall we read it? <laughs> it's not in my notes. But anyway, he's expecting them to invest and to work with what he gave them. The one with the five invested them. And when the master came back, he presented 10 to him. And the master celebrated and said, yay, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes. You've done a great job. You brought multiplication into the kingdom. Remember talking about the kingdoms. It's like the kingdom can be illustrated like this. So these are kingdom pictures of what, how the kingdom operates and pictures of what is expected of us as servants. The one that had the two invested his, multiplied them, doubled them, and the master again, yay, good job, good job. I gave you two, you, you brought about multiplication, you brought about increase in the kingdom of God. And very happy, very ecstatic for them. The other one had, uh, the third one had one talent and he was afraid. The scripture tells that he was afraid and he hid it or he held on to it. And when the master, when he, it was time for him to give an account, he said, here it is. I, 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 I received what you gave me, but I was, I was afraid. And he said, so I just hid it and I buried it that when you come back, I can at least give it to you. And he was rebuked. He said, the least you could have done is put it in the bank and earn some interest. In other words, God was looking. He was looking for increase. Everyone say increase. God is looking for increase as a result of the gifts, the skills, the talents, the expertise, the wisdom that he has deposited within you. The kingdom of God is how it can be illustrated. We are to be productive. Our work, if you want to call it work, your gifting, your calling, your vocation is to bring increase into the kingdom of God. And God has, has, uh, is coming back. We'll get in, I don't want to get into next week's message, but he is going to return. And as we give an account, we also want to be that one that's celebrated. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. This is what I gave you. You took it. You worked together with me. You invested it. You worked it. You, you brought about increase. So God's expect, expectation of you as expressed in this particular parable, here's what you can get away from, is that it's not merely, God is not merely looking for you to bring about a maintenance not just a maintenance mindset, not just doing what you need to do, but to have a creative stewardship resulting in increase. Everyone say creative stewardship. Creative. That results in increase. So that's what God is looking for in us as we are talking about creation 
and work, the theology of work. What I have to contribute, what you have to contribute is to be a creative stewardship resulting in increase, and it is in proportion to your abilities, and, and as you are investing and working, always keep in mind what I am doing is to be an illustration of the kingdom of heaven. We are instructed in, in the epistles, we are instructed that let everything that you say, everything that you do, let it all be done to bring glory to the name of Jesus. To bring glory to the name of Jesus. So I want to just uh, want you to look at this particular verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 16 through 19. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 16 through 19. And this, too, is a very serious problem. Now, Ecclesiastes is a fun book to read. Uh, sometimes you can read it and think, oh, what the heck, nothing. <laughs> it's completely opposite of what I just told you. It's like, why bother? It's going to be what it's going to be. But it, it really is a book of wisdom, and it really brings everything into perspective. I mean, I just encourage you to read it over and over again. I, I, I Personally, I enjoy reading it, I, I, and I, I have pictures of all these different people as I read it. Of course, I never think about myself, but I think about you all. <laughs> but anyway, he said this too. Now, he was talking about some other serious problems that he could see from his vantage point, from his experience in life and from the wisdom that he had. These are different things that he would see and different laments that he would lament about. But he says, so this too is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing like working for the wind. <laughs> Anyone here ever feel like that? Huh? Anyone? Am I the only one? You know, sometimes I think I'm one Sunday morning service away from really telling you all what I really think. <laughs> so you don't want to miss next week. <laughs> Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Even so, I've noticed one thing. At least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during, during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. Now, don't get discouraged when he says this short life in perspective, in relationship to eternity. Even if you live full health to 110, it's still very short compared to eternity. All right? So I just wanted to read that to you because it's, it's not to be... Work is not to be considered a burden or a curse. Your opportunity, your vocation, your gifts, and your, your contributions to the kingdom of God are, are, are to be in a mindset of, 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 of a creative stewardship that's resulting in increase in kingdom growth and people coming into the kingdom, the kingdom being uh, built and, and solidified and, and growing and making its presence known here in this present world. So several different ways that uh, sin affects our work culture, our work mindset. Uh, first of all, I think the, one of the first ways that sin affects it is that uh, many people have the mindset of, uh, that I need to work to survive. Need to work to survive. And uh, that work is a necessary evil. Work to survive, 
Working is a necessary evil, and this mindset can be common among people that are below poverty line, just thinking it's a necessary, I don't really want to do it, but I, I, you know, it, it's necessary, therefore I'm going to pull myself out of bed, and I'm going to drag myself to work, and I'm going to do just enough to get through the day, that type of mindset. Then you have a people that have the, the mindset of, of, of work and their vocation as it, it be considered a more materialistic type mindset as a career, seeing work as a career. Work is simply viewed in economic terms. You know, uh, what one does is to, you, you do it in order to obtain more material things. And really that the end result of all your work is, is consumption. It's consumption, so you want to guard yourself against that. That's not necessarily a, a, a healthy perspective either. Remember a few weeks ago, I gave you the, we talked about Gnosticism, how it's a, a Greek word meaning knowledge, and how the Gnostics taught that all matter, physical material, is evil and temporary, and it's only the soul and the spirit are eternal. And, and, and they placed high value on the spiritual world and low value on the physical world. And the goal of Gnosticism, of the Gnostics, was to escape this lesser physical world and live in the higher spiritual world through attainment of, of a special knowledge. You know, the more knowledge you got, and the, the freer you were going to be, and you're going to escape from this material world. And so you say, well, I'm not a Gnostic. I'm a born-again child of God. I believe in God, and, and I, I, I believe you. I'm not challenging that, but I want you to think about perhaps where does Gnosticism, where does this idea of the separation of spiritual and physical and the great escape is to get away from all this physical world and just go off over the river, stick someplace, and live forever and ever, and just soul and spirit, and there's nothing physical about it anymore. Where, did that, where does that sneak in, in into our mindset when it comes to our theology of work? And so think of it as evangelical Gnosticism. And that can be referred to when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about where people think of uh, finances are, are simply for the kingdom. Spiritual work is any job that, you, uh, that is in full-time ministry. All other jobs are a necessary evil to fund the spiritual work. This is a mindset that people can have. Uh, you're more spiritual if you're in ministry. There's a sacred and a secular spirit, and there's absolutely no value in the work itself apart from finances that it provides. And this is, this is an attitude that can, that can creep into people's lives, and it's probably more predominant in people that are in ministry. But I remember... Uh, I had a, a, attended a small Bible school in the suburbs of Tulsa, Oklahoma, called Raymond. I remember uh, graduating from there. And, but before I moved from there, I, was, I still was doing work as an electrician, so I was on a construction site. Matter of fact, I think I was working at Old Roberts University at the hospital they were building. That I forget the name of the hospital now, but uh, I was working at that hospital doing electrical work, and another gentleman was there working on the job, and we were just chatting and talking, and he asked me you know, about my life, and I told him that I just finished up here at Raymond, and, and, uh, and he said, well, that's interesting. I said, what's, what's, what intrigues you about that? He said, well, I just talked to someone yesterday that just graduated from ORU. And he said, he was here working also. I said, yeah, so what? He said, well, he said, I'm trying to decide which school I want to go to. Do I want to go to Oral Roberts University or want, do I want to go to Raymond Bible Training Center? He says, because when I get out of school, I don't want to work. <laughs> I 
like ministry is not work. And I grew up with that mindset in the, in the culture that I grew up in, you know, that ministry is not work. Even the ministers in the church that I grew up in, they, they, they still held full-time jobs. Most of them were farmers, but, you know, they, they weren't full-time in ministry. So there was that divide there between the secular and the spiritual. I advised him to go to another one of those schools. He could probably just like think about it a little bit more, you know, because no matter where you go to school, if you don't want to work afterward, I don't think they make a school like that anywhere. But, but so make sure that those types of attitudes don't embrace those types of attitudes and just recognize what the scriptures I read at the beginning from Genesis that we are here. To, to be creative, to steward, to tend, to guard, to keep, to be creative, to bring the kingdom into every arena of life. Then there's evangelical Gnosticism, and people look at it as an opportunity for evangelism. You know, look, I, I, uh, I really don't like my job, but it's a place that I can do spiritual ministry on the side. That's really why I keep my job. My job really stinks, but it puts me around sinners. And so that's good enough reason for me to drag myself in there on a Monday morning and, or work second shift or third shift. You know, that, that, that's a good enough reason. That, that's not a good enough reason. You, 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 need, you want to be free from that. You know, that, that it's nothing more than being able to take the ministry to work. Um, or the mindset may be that the ministry is, is done through, uh, because at my workplace I can have uh, prayer groups or, or I can have Bible studies. Again, there's that sacred and that secular split. There's really no value. This mindset will often hold the, 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 the belief that there's no, really no value to the work itself apart from getting into the proximity, getting a believer into the proximity of non-believers. And uh, that's, those are very weak, and they're not very energizing, and they're really not creative in bringing about that creative stewardship that God is looking for us to bring into the kingdom of God, such as in Matthew chapter 24. God was looking for creative stewardship, not for holding on to what we have. And that's why it's important even in your financial stewardship that, that you be creative in that, that you, uh, you expect God to lead you and to guide you and, and, and to give you creative ideas and, and not to hold on to what you have and not to bury it thinking, well, I, I can't give unto the Lord and I can't be generous because I need to hold on to this. No, that's not what God's looking for. God's looking for you to be creative, to be a, to be a, a person of generosity. God's looking to bring about a harvest of generosity in our stewardship. That's why we, we uh, teach about giving tithes and offerings unto the Lord. That, that's that's a, a way of being creative and a, a way of saying, I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm opening myself up for you to give me creative ideas, for, for you to open up the floodgates of heaven and to pour out your, your uh, uh, abundant resources into my life so that I can be creative and I can, I can bring increase into this stewardship not simply maintaining. Say, well, I don't want to give. I need to maintain my budget here. Well, you try to maintain your budget, then you're going to be stuck there always trying to maintain. But if you're looking for increase, begin to put your trust in God, give your tithes unto the Lord, and, and be generous in your giving, sow your seeds, and, and, and keep your eyes and ears open for God to be working through you to bring creative stewardship, to bring creative ideas into your life, and for God to be able to bring that increase. God celebrated the one that doubled what, he, what God gave him. 
He, he, he celebrated both those individuals, the stewards that doubled, and he rebuked the one that was stingy and held on to what he had. So you always want to learn to, to uh, in your work, in your vocation, to, to bring glory and honor to God and, and, and surrender unto God. What really matters to God, you might ask yourself the question, well, what really does matter to God? The answer to that is everything. Everything matters to God. Your life matters to God. What you do matters to God. And don't even be thinking of work in the sense of, well, if I'm not employed by some place, then I'm not working. You, you, you can be creative. And you can uh, just, your gifts, your skills, your talents, your, what you have, you are contributing. There's so many ways to be contributing uh, into the kingdom of heaven that you want to just open yourself up and realize that what matters to God, your life matters to God. You matter to him. He cares about the smallest details in your life. You know, the very first miracle that Jesus performed was to provide uh, more wine at the wedding. No one was dying. No one was injured. No one needed a healing. They just simply ran out of wine. Everyone was probably very happy because he ran out of wine, because he already drank everything that was there. You're all really sleepy this morning. <laughs> anyway, my, back to the point. There was no emergency. You think of miracles as God showing up when there's a crisis. Running out of wine is not a major crisis. People weren't dying. No one was bleeding to death. But they simply ran out of wine. But to the host of the wedding, it was very important that they don't run out of wine. They don't want to be embarrassed at their reception. And so Jesus shows up and says, oh, you ran out of wine. Boy, I don't want you to be embarrassed. And okay, let's take those water pots and let's turn them into wine. The very first miracle that's recorded was done for something that was not really a crisis. He's just showing that he cares about the details of life. He cares about what people care about. Everything matters to God. God doesn't want you to be embarrassed. He doesn't want you to be inferior. He doesn't want, to feel you, um, want you to feel like you are less important than someone else. That, oh, you're in spiritual work. Wow, that's awesome. That is awesome. I'm just in secular work. I just, you know, I just build buildings. Well, if no one built buildings, then I guess we wouldn't be here today, would we? I don't think you'd be out in the frosty field this morning. Someone needs to build the building. Someone needs to provide the electricity. Someone needs to provide the heat. Someone needs to be a doctor to keep us all alive so we can get here Sunday morning. <laughs> Amen. I keep telling people, doctors are not our enemies. Medical science and doctors are our friends. We work together. Luke, the gospel writer, the the book of Luke, he was a physician. He traveled with the apostle Paul. Many miracles were done, but he was also a physician. So doctors are important. Nurses are important. People that built the equipment for the hospitals are important. You don't really think about them. The people that laid the brick at the hospital, that built the building, did you ever think about them? They're all important. The roads that were built for you to get here, the bridges that were built, the infrastructure, Everything is working together. We all are working together, and we need to stop looking at it as one person's job is more important than another person's job. 
what God has graced you with, the, the skills that he has deposited within you, that's where you need to be. And your connections, your relationships, your spheres of influence, you want to do all that to the glory and to the honor of God. So where in creation should you bring about, his, should you bring about your skill sets and your giftings? Everywhere. Everywhere you go. You're doing it, being mindful of the kingdom of God. You're being creative, and you are bringing about increase in the kingdom of God, and God celebrates it when you bring about increase. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The promised future for you as a born-again child of God is that heaven and earth are brought together. The prison yard has been made into a garden city and all, and all our fruit multiplication, all of our stewarding, all of our subduing is brought before God as a gift. We are fully restored to our calling to rule and to reign over creation once again. We are redeemed. The power of the enemy has been broken. The power of sin has been broken. And we need to recognize that, that we are, we are restored back to our original calling to rule and to reign over creation once again. Your vocation. You know the word vocation is taken from a Latin word, vocare, and it means to be called. To be called. What is your vocation? What are you doing? Are you thinking of it and honoring God as I'm called to this? I'm making a contribution to the kingdom of God. I'm baking bread. I'm a dairy farmer. I'm providing milk for families. You know, I'm a doctor. I'm a plumber. I'm a builder. I'm a nurse. I'm a teacher. Teachers have tremendous responsibilities. But again, the teacher needs the classroom. They need the chairs in the classroom. They need lights. They need heat. They need air conditioning. We need all of us. You're calling. You can be called to be a plumber. You can be called to be an electrician. You can be called to, to, to be a long-distance truck driver. You can be called into politics. But just know, you're called into it. You're going to get old someday, and you're going to get out of it, and someone else is going to come follow after you. Don't get locked in. It's all dependent on me. But while I am doing what I'm doing, I'm going to do it to the honor and to the glory of God. So what is the vocation of a Christian? God has a unique calling for each one of us in this world, and we are to bring his kingdom on earth, that is, is in heaven, in all of life. There is no sacred or secular. All vocations are to be a reflection of who God, of who God is through who he has created us to be. And this is our vocation. This is our calling. And this is our work. In Revelation 21, in verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. As their God. Has a secular, sacred mindset affected your view of work and calling? And are there areas of life that you consider more or less important to God? And you want to remedy those, and you want to recognize that it takes all of us working together. It takes all of us working together. Your gifting, your skill sets, your contributions to the kingdom of God as you give them to God. God is building his kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done right here on the earth as it is in heaven. As we all get on board and we renew that mindset, have that theology, uh, 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 get, get rid of any carnal thinking that work is a curse, it's, it's a, I don't like it, I hate it, but I have to do it type mindset, but recognizing I get to do this. This is my contribution. And my rewards are in heaven, and I'm going to give it all to God. I am a part of building the kingdom of heaven here on the earth today as a born-again child of God. Amen? I'm going to give it my very best. I'm going to give it my best. I'm not doing it because I have to. I'm doing it because I get to. I get to do this. I get to do this. Amen? Blessings on you on what you put your mind to, what you put your hands to. May you prosper in it. May you be successful in it from this day on in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. He really wants the best for you. He really does. God loves you. And where you are, the mindset that you have, protecting our country, policing, military, all jobs, everything's important. We all want to be working together. That's why we're to pray for one another, lift one another up in prayer, and be of the same mind, the same mind, not thinking of myself as better than you. Now, y'all pray for me, y'all pray for Pastor Ray, but you know, don't worry about Chad, he's gonna be fine. <laughs> that's, a, that's a wrong mentality. Let's pray for one another, love one another, encourage one another, build one another up. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. One quick announcement I want to make here as we close out is that Sam Westmoreland passed away last uh, Wednesday evening, I think it was, and that his memorial service is going to be, this is Mary Westmoreland's husband, Sam, and so the memorial service is going to be this Wednesday morning visitation at 10 o'clock right here at Grace Church from 10 to 11, and then the memorial service will be at 11 o'clock. And so we can celebrate that Sam is in our future, and uh, just knowing and believing, God, that, uh, that we have a bright future together. So keep Mary and her family in your prayers, and let's just go ahead and lift her up right now, and then I'm going to ask Dave to come out and close out our service. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you and praise you so much for the opportunity to gather here today. We thank you for our time of worship today. We thank you, Lord God, for your presence in this place today. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name that you have gifted us and called us and graced us, each one of us uniquely, 
placed into the kingdom of God with unique responsibilities, whether we've been given five talents or two or one. That's not, you, you gave to each one according to their ability. So Father, I thank you. What you are looking for, Lord, is that we all trust you and steward what you have given to us, that we steward it with an increased mentality. Bring about increase for the kingdom of heaven here on the earth. And you applaud that. So Father, we want to come to that place. We can fully anticipate it being applauded by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And free us up from any fears from any fears, from anything that will lock us into that mindset that says, I was afraid and I hid what you entrusted to me. Let's not be hiding anything. We don't want to hide any gifts, skills, talents, resources that you've given to us to help establish your kingdom here on the earth. Release us of all that in Jesus' name. Name above every name and give us the courage of the one that had the five and the one that had the two. And they multiplied and brought about increase for the kingdom. Thank you, Father. I pray that over every person here, pray that over people that are watching us, you're listening to us online today. We thank you, Lord, that you're freeing people up to serve you with wisdom, with grace and creativity in the name of Jesus. Name above all names. Now, Father, we also lift up Mary Westmoreland in her household today, her family. I thank you in Jesus' name for the grace of God, the peace of God, the love of God manifested toward Mary. I thank you, Father, for the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to comfort Mary with a peace and a comfort that surpasses all comprehension, with a supernatural grace and a supernatural peace in this time of grieving. But Lord God, also knowing that we can rejoice knowing that Sam is in our future. We thank you for it in Jesus' precious name, name above all names. Amen. Amen.